What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Burry, the podcasting coach here. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how you can have a four-day work week. How do you create that lifestyle for yourself as quickly as possible? I know some of you may not be sure how you could go on to achieve this lifestyle, or you may not think it works for you. We're going to go into that, how you can really hone in and make the four-day work week your lifestyle. So our guest who joins us today, he helps people to make more money in less time doing what they do best so they can better enjoy their family, friends, and life. Our guest coaches, employees, freelancers, and entrepreneurs, and business owners to create an abundant and sustainable four-day work week lifestyle. So our guest who joins us is none other than Wade Galt. Wade, welcome to the show. Thank you, dude. The way you do that intro, that's awesome. I need to have you do my voiceovers, man. Love your energy, love your enthusiasm. And thank you for having me. I'm so impressed with what you're doing, what you've started doing, the journey you're on, and definitely love the way you're leading by example for people, regardless of their age, of just diving into stuff and making stuff happen. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, So happy to be here. Wade, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And one of the things we're about on Breakthrough Success, we're not just about you know how to thrive with your business, but also how to thrive with your life. We're focused on personal and professional breakthroughs. So that's why the four-day work week, it really strikes on both of those chords because to have the four-day work week, you got to be doing some good things with your business, with your career, but at the same time, you do have a lot more flexibility in your schedule. So I'm wondering if you could share with us how you first came across this concept and you're able to apply it to your own schedule. Awesome. Sure. So my father's an entrepreneur and my mother's a really balanced person spiritually, psychologically. So my dad's all about hustling, making stuff happen. My mom is all about why you're doing it, how you're going to help people. So I kind of got the impact and the income from both sides. And of course, there's overlap with the two of them. I got to watch my father for many years be a successful entrepreneur, got to see what he did with his free time. And I also got to see quite a few of his friends that did as well as him financially, but maybe weren't as happy. And so it became clear to me very quickly that while money was important and definitely desirable, that it wasn't the variable. It wasn't the key determinant of whether people were happy or not. And so as I went into college, as I studied, as I did high school, just all along the way, I always had the sense of, okay, how am I going to balance this? And I just got into, graduated college, started working in a company, had an idea of starting my own business. And by the time I was looking to start my own business, I was in the insurance industry. And in Florida, when Hurricane Andrew hit, it kind of threw some things haywire here. So I kind of started looking a little bit differently at things and said, okay, I want to start a business that's not going to be affected by a hurricane, by insurance regulations or anything like that. And I also knew that I wanted to be able to have more time off. In fact, I'd even asked, I worked for a really awesome company. Uh, This was 20 years ago. Hey, could I work four days? And I wasn't specifically thinking, okay, exactly four days, but it was just a concept. Like, can I have more time off? I'll get the same results. Can you pay me? In fact, can you even just prorate my salary? Because I was making enough at that time because I was single, didn't have a wife, didn't have kids. And at the time, the answer was, well, Wade, we'd love to do that for you. And we actually believe you can get the results because you're getting them, but we can't do that for you because we'd have to do it for everybody. So it pushed me onto what I knew I was going to do anyway, which was start my entrepreneurial journey, start a little earlier. And in between there and about six years ago, It took me about 15 years of stumbling, doing different things, starting a business, this working, that, I mean, all the different things we usually do. 
to start a business and, and trying and failing. But the thing that really made a difference for me is, gosh, maybe about four or five years ago, one of my coaching programs referenced the idea of working less, making more. And a coach that I was working with at the time, he challenged me, he said, well, Wade, why aren't you doing this all, all year round? And I had a story around it. I said, well, my software business is seasonal. So in my busy season, I can't do a four-day work week. But in my off season, I can. And that was my story. And my coach, Johan, he said, well, Wade, dude, you got to kind of put up or shut up. If you're going to, you say you want to help people do this. You've said it makes such a difference to your life with your, your wife, your kids, being able to be present, being able to explore more in the world. Why not do it all year round? And, and, and if you really want to do this, because you've told me, Wade, you want to start this company, you want to help people with a four-day work week. And at this time, I was bidding on domain names and thinking, okay, if I get the domain name, you know, it's fourdayworkweek.com, of course, then, then I'll become a millionaire. You know how that goes. But anyway, I thought, okay, I need to be able to do this. And since then, some years, 95%, some years, 90%, depends with COVID, with my kids at home, I probably about 80% of the time. But most of the time, taking off on Fridays, and what it allowed me to do was really just enjoy more of my life and still have time for my life, still have time to be present with my wife, still have time to be fully present, and excited to reach work on Monday. And so even though I aim for a four by eight, four days by eight hours, sometimes I'll do a four by 10 because I'm excited. It's usually not because I have to. Mm. And so regardless of your age, it's something that can be done. And certainly if you're starting earlier and you don't yet have children, whether you're planning on having kids or not, that's one less variable. And it's a little easier just to say, okay, I'm going to kind of grind at stuff. But what about missing out on your 20s? What about missing on life? There's so many things. Now, I'm, I'm only 48. But there's things I could do in my 20s that I can't do anymore. So just in general, for me, it was about just enjoying life and believing that there's so much more to the world than work. Work is awesome. But for me, four days is good. And Outside of that, I want to be able to explore different things, travel, uh, history, learn about other cultures. So for me, it was about a desire to do that. And when I got more intentional about it, it, it happened a lot more quickly. And the big thing about the four-day work week that we're already getting into, and I hear about this with the four-hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss's concepts. Yep. I feel like the people who don't get to implement that are the people who hate their work and they're trying to get out. Notice how Wade is very happy to be working four-day work weeks, but he loves the work when he's doing it. And he is willing to work the extra hours on those four days on occasion because he enjoys it that much. So you may be at a job you hate. You should have a direction towards some type of career path where you will enjoy the work because that will make it possible to get the results you need to get because it's a matter of what you put into those eight hours. If you're on a low salary, it's a lot harder to have a four-day work week. And you got to look at numbers. It may not even be possible based on what you're making. So you have to raise the money you're earning while doing what you love. And how can we make the money doing what we're lo we love? Because for some people, I don't think a everyone really knows how they can uh, seamlessly go into that. So there's a couple things I'm going to address a couple things you said. And, and so first of all, yeah, the passion, when you're doing what you love, there are still going to be parts of it that stink, that you're horrible at, that you don't like, that you either need to delegate or, so that doesn't change. And to your point, there's a, there's a coach I've worked with. He's a phenomenal coach, Dan Sullivan of the strategic coach. And there's a simple concept he talks about of, are you going to be in the results economy 
or are you going to be in the time and money economy? Sometimes online marketers will say, are you going to trade dollars for hours or are you going to build a business is another way of wording it. And if you want to get to a four day work week and to your point, be able to live off it, you know, and, and make and thrive a good amount, you're going to want to be measured on results. And to your other point, if you want to be measured on results, ultimately, it's better if you do something you love. Now, in my experience, there's a lot of things I love. I write books on personal growth, parenting, spirituality. Those don't yet really make a lot of money for me, but I'm okay with that because for me, I've kind of put that in the hobby category. And I actually will do those, do those on my Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I actually kind of separate the two. Anything for money for me happens in the four days. But to your point also, it can be a gradual thing. And even if you don't love your work right now, the best way to move on is to first get awesome at it, learn how to get good at it, whether you like it or not. And that's one of the things I think as an entrepreneur that is part of growing up that you say, okay, I might not love something, but I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to create results for this person who's been willing to pay me. They've given me an opportunity. I'm going to make the most of it. It doesn't mean that's always where I want to be, but I'm going to do that. And so one of the distinctions I try to make with people is there's your soul work, what you'd love to do to make a living. But in my experience, and, and different people have different takes on this, not everybody that I know that's happy and has either a four-day work week or the lifestyle they want, some of them do their soul work for a living. Some of them do something they really like for a living and still enjoy it. They find it interesting, but they do their soul work somewhere else. But all of them are engaged, committed to getting results. And probably the biggest part is when you talk to people about why don't they work a four-day work week, for most people, they have not thought through it. They've not found something that's exciting enough for them to do on their Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So think of it this way. If you hate your job and you say, I hate my job, my job stinks. So even though I'm making good money, I'm going to spend as much as I can on the weekends because I hate my job so much. Well, now you're in that rat race. You might be making a high income, but you can still be in a high income rat race where you're saying I'm making six yeah. figures, seven figures, but I'm spending it. So I'm still going to be here forever. Whereas if you have a vision of something that you want to do with your time, and it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be expensive, then it's kind of like when you're ready to go on vacation, you say, okay, vacation time is coming. I'm going to get my work done in time so I can get out. So you don't, it doesn't have to be like the greatest thing you've ever done, but there is that commitment, that sense. I remember hearing at a Brennan Burchard workshop, somebody had asked, it was Paul Abdul was on the stage and somebody asked her and said, you know, I want to, I have this company that I'm working with right now. I forget the name, company A. And, I, and I'm, I've got a great contract with them, but they're not who I really want. I really want to work with company B. How do I get to company B? And she said, well, it's obvious. You do an awesome job with company A. You give everything to company A. Company A is giving you the opportunity right now. And company A is not going to mind if you also want to work with company B, but give them your everything. Don't be looking over here and, and you know, do what you're in, in, what's in front of you. Do that really well. And so... For a lot of people, if you haven't yet figured out what you want to do with those three days, you're probably not going to be motivated to even bother trying. Whereas I, I find, for example, Mark, a lot of the people that are really motivated for this are people who have kids between, let's say, zero and 10 or 12, because they're so aware as parents, oh my gosh, or not, not everybody is, but many of them, wow, my kids are going to be out of the house soon. And one of the lessons I got to see also is I watched some of my dad's friends make a lot of money. But they started making a lot of money when their kids were in high school and they weren't present for their kids. And like, hey, kids, like I've made all this money. Let's hang out now. And the kids are like, dad, I'm off to college, you know. And so it was, one of those, it, was, it was kind of sad and good people doing their best, but just perhaps putting a little too much importance on what money can actually do for us instead of realizing it's part of the picture rather than the whole picture. 
I love that because money to me, I read this, I think in a Grant Cardone audiobook. I heard it because it was an audiobook. but um, he said something like money just gives you more choices. That's all money does. Like if yeah. you have more money, you can go to more vacations. You can buy more stuff. You have the time to delegate, which is what a lot of people do to achieve something like a four-day-week lifestyle. So you have more options, but you do want to keep that main thing in mind. And I feel like this is where we want to get into the entrepreneur because someone who's working, they want to cut down on the days they are working. For an entrepreneur, it's a lot harder especially if the business is your baby, you want to work on it every single day. So for some people, it's more important to say, you're working seven days a week, you have no problem with it, but then how do we pedal it back down to four, like how you were talking about your busy season and you being able to, even in that moment, say, okay, four days a week is my max. Well, you know, great point. And so a couple things. To me, I, I like to listen to people who have made a lot of money and their perspective, because, you know, there's a, the majority of the population is still in that hopeful stage of what's going to happen when they make money. When you have people that have made money, they can say, okay, well, I've made it. And yeah, I would rather have it than not, but it's not that big of a deal. What I find is in order to make a shift, uh, it needs to be something that you sense some way that your life's going to be better, more diverse. You mentioned, for example, with employees, it's tougher if you're an employee to get to that four day work week as an entrepreneur, you want to, but then the entrepreneur, there's that joke that says, you know, as an entrepreneur, you get to work part-time, pick any 12 hours of the day and, and, and you can work those. Well, what happens I think is if you think about professional sports, if a big game was coming up and somebody says, okay, you know, Super Bowl, NBA championships, whatever it might be, you would not tell somebody, okay, you're going to practice every day full-time right up to the day. You'd say somewhere in there, you're going to need to get some rest so that you can peak and, and do really well. Well, similarly, a person that's working seven days a week, if there's no rest in there, there's no break, you're not performing at your highest level. So we know physically we need rest, yet for some reason we think intellectually, because maybe we can throw a five-hour energy drink at it, and we can, we, can, we can feel buzzed or whatever it is, or caffeine or, or, or coffee or whatever, that that's going to solve it. And yet what you're going to find, and any entrepreneur will tell you this, that's been in business for at least, well, most 5, 10, 15 years that's made some stupid decisions, made more than my share, you can make one stupid decision that can cost you a year's worth, two years worth of income. And usually those happen when your mind is fatigued. You know, why is it these, you know, 2.30 a.m. infomercials, you wonder what, what the heck just showed up on my doorstep? <laughs> oh, I was really tired or this or that, or honey, I thought this would help us make barbecue chicken and lose weight at the same time, you know, or whatever it is. And so a lot of that is, Fatigue, you know, even what Mark Zuckerberg wears the same color shirt because he doesn't want decision fatigue. I remember when I first heard that, I thought, God, this dude's a wuss. I thought, no, wait, this guy's a billionaire. He might, he might know a couple things. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where I think it's a combination of first recognizing that everybody who's done anything great did it with a team because sustainable greatness, you can win one NBA championship, you can win one title as a box or whatever, but to sustain, you have to have a group of great people around you and anybody that's at a high level and who's been there for a while will tell you, and happy, will tell you about delegation and teamwork and working together with people who are, you know, a genius in an area where you're not so smart and vice versa. And so in all of that, there's a little bit of it is humility. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to do this all by myself. I need a team. 
a little bit's also about chilling, not feeling like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You don't have to figure it all out. So many entrepreneurs think they have to figure out everything. And when you're a solopreneur, you do. But eventually, if you listen to people, I mean, sound, you're, you're wise, man. You're, you're, you're reading about people who are saying, hey, here's where I've messed up. Don't do this. Don't do that. And sometimes when people read self-help books or, or books about business, they say, well, they didn't tell me, you know, everything exactly to get it right. But yeah, but dude, they told you the 10 things that you do not want to do. And when you just know those, again, I have at least three mistakes I've made each at different times was worth one year's of my income. So somebody just in five minutes, if I were more well-rested, in fact, two of them, I was fatigued and based out of fear, the decisions I made. So if I was just more well-rested or just had a little bit better perspective, I'd be able to do that. So yes, for a while, you can hustle and grind. And I remember I saw one thing that said, some person who's a billionaire said, well, you, 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 can't, you have to give up one of these things to be a billionaire. And I'll be clear, I'm not a billionaire. So it might be possible that you can't have all those things and be a billionaire. I know plenty of people making six figures and plenty of people making seven figures that have a happy family life, some equivalent, their equivalent, their version of what a four day working is. They have time with their friends and their family. They're creative. They have time with great people. They go to workshops. They contribute in society. They're happy people by their definition. Um, so anybody who tells you it's otherwise is somebody that doesn't understand. And I'll just give you this one thought on this. When I was coaching soccer and my kids are, were four at the time, I noticed there were two types of parents coaching. One type of parent, and they were all good parents. Good parents are out there coaching for their kids. One type of parent knew soccer. And I mean, there's a few of us. I was, my dad played soccer, so I, I had some instruction and I knew the game pretty well. So those of us who knew the game, and there's plenty of things I don't know, but I know soccer pretty well, we were able to keep, teach the kids strategy. So they were able to have things happen pretty quickly. They were passing and teamwork and things that other people said couldn't be done because we knew the game, we knew the system, we knew the rules. On the other hand, the parents who didn't know soccer, what did you hear coming out of their mouths? Run harder, try harder, hustle more. So the long story short was they didn't know how to do it. So their best thing was, okay, we'll try harder. And it wasn't a bad thing, it doesn't make them bad people. Right. But as entrepreneurs, if we learn a little more, we might not have to hustle so hard. And if you're hustling too hard, you might be doing it wrong. Yeah, I love that. And going back to the physical versus mental, your body has a lot of different ways to tell you when it's in pain or when you've overexerted. Like running, I run every day, but I do take random one, two week breaks because I need that for the recovery. And before any race, I'll have a whole week where my mileage and my pace just dramatically drop leading up to that big event and your body has a lot of ways of telling you it's the mindset where like the body will just yell at you sometimes but the mindset it's like a whisper and you could choose to listen to that whisper or you could choose not to listen to that whisper if it's an injury you have no other choice but to listen but if it's a whisper and it's your mindset and you're just typing away at a keyboard or you're doing some more videos or you got a whole bunch of calls coming up you don't have to listen to the whisper so how can we get better at listening to that whisper and not mentally draining ourselves because i do like the physical and the mental comparison i just want to i just want to hone in on that a little deeper sure so i'm going to share something that i've learned from enough 
different teachers and enough different, different traditions that I believe it's true. So I'm blessed. My parents are awesome. I was raised Roman Catholic. I've studied a lot of different traditions. I think there's a lot of great things in all sorts of traditions. I happen to believe there's a God. I'm not selling it. I believe there is, but I can't prove it. I have a degree in psychology. So as a psychologist, I would say it's efficacy. It's effective for me to believe it works for me <laughs> to believe there's a God. Um, but most traditions will talk about at least four dimensions or four core dimensions, body, mind, heart, spirit. And in the Western culture, the traditional Western cultures, as they're referred to, the American cultures and whatnot, we're very focused on physical and mental. And we're, we'll sometimes tap into emotional to get excited. So people say, oh, was that coach good? Yeah, they were a rah-rah coach. So they got us excited, but we still default back to our physical or mental. What was the strategy and did we execute? We seem to forget sometimes that spiritual dimension. And I mean that in generic sense, the lowercase s, not whatever version of God you do or don't believe in. But when Simon Sinek talks about his, your why, when business is talk about what's your mission, what's your vision, what's your purpose. If that's infused in all of this, then you're going to do different things. And the specific activities that allow you to have this happen is just quieting the mind. Now there's different ways. There's formal ways, meditation, prayer, there's taking a bike ride, there's going for a walk, there's going for a run without your, you know, without a podcast. And again, I love listening to podcasts sometimes and other times just like, I just need, like my, I need my brain to figure stuff out. Um, certainly for me on the, on the three days off, I do my best. Like I don't check my work emails. I, for the most part, try to separate between my iPad and my, my phone. My phone, I can access all my email, but I, I sort of separate certain things. I don't always get it perfect, but I usually get it pretty right. And so I allow that space over the three days. And in that space of the three days, my mind chews things up, it spits them out. Uh, sometimes I'll wake up with ideas and my wife says, what's wrong? I have an idea. Like as if I have a headache, I got to write down my stuff. I get it out. And then I'll come Monday. I'm like, well, that was a horrible idea. Mm. But if I were tired at the time, I might've acted on that or bet some money and like, you know, invested in it. So kind of let things happen. But overall for me, you mentioned, you said it so right. In, in my experience, it's a quiet, still voice. And that's why the practice is like, whether it's meditation or yoga quietly, or just going for a run or just a quiet walk in nature, mountain biking, whatever it is, but allowing time for your brain to decompress so you can hear that voice. Because like you said, my experience is the voice, it kind of just talks like this, like, hey, okay. And it's not a literal voice, at least I've not experienced it as a literal voice, but ideas become very clear, like, okay, this is a good thing to do. This is not a good thing to do. And when I tune down everything else, all of a sudden now that voice is very easy to be heard. But when I'm so freaking out with all the noise, and this is why I guess so many people say the social media can be so difficult, is when there's so much noise and then my ego starts, oh, what about this? And my feelings and why? I want to get left out of this. And who left me? All that stuff comes up. I, I can't hear that voice. And again, that voice, it's, I remember I read a book once called Silent Power. And the author said, says, look, you know, your, your spirit, your purpose, your life path, it's not on the corner trying to drum up business. It's just saying what it says. And if you're able to listen, you're going to catch in on it. And whenever you're ready, it's right there. It's not a trick. But if you don't want to hear it, then, you know, I guess you'll hear it when you're ready. So for me, in order to hear that, I've got to be ready there. And then as a husband, I've got to be willing to listen to my wife because she has great perspective. As a father, my, my children, as a son, to my parents, to my friends. So, so much of it too is, 
sometimes we're so, you know, why didn't anybody tell me like your friends are like, dude, we told you like four times we tried nicely. And you know, we, we didn't say like, this is a horrible idea. We told you in a couple different ways. You're like, no, this is awesome. No, this is awesome. Everybody wants donuts with icing and sprinkles at dinner time. Everybody wants that for their kids. They're, they're vegan and they're keto. Yes. You know, and, and you're like, no, no, people don't want that. But you're so sold. So again, for me, if you don't have that time away, that time to break, then you can't really hear that voice. It becomes a lot more difficult. And most religious traditions, spiritual traditions, even psychology and, and, and on meditation and so many things, they all, they all kind of concur there in that generic sense, not the specifics of what you call God or don't call God, or, but on the generic of making quiet time and allowing the brain and, and how it works, a lot of consistency there. And a lot of it does go back, Wade, you mentioned the soccer earlier, like you don't want to over hustle. And when you do take moments to, I feel like we should all take moments to step back and think like an hour just to think. And the reason that bad ideas are done, the reason that like the angry email gets sent out because people, they just rush into action and it feels stimulating to take oh, yeah. action, to hit the send button, to do an interview like this. It all feels stimulating but you could fall into that trap where the stimulation, it's not really leading you to the path you're supposed to be on. So it is good to uh, think a little bit, step back, and to just start with, maybe if you just start with taking a day off or taking like at 7 p.m. I stop working. Doing something like that can really help with making smarter decisions. Like that before day work week, it's not, about you know being lazy for the other three it's about getting laser focused it's about getting really smart and over hustle it it's not good i mean some people they could do it but for a lot of people you got to understand what your goals are you got to understand what you want like would i want to be a billionaire i'd love to have the number in the bank account but to the type of work associated with that that's not the lifestyle for me and it's not the lifestyle for a lot of people. So you just got to understand yourself. And part of that is thinking, well, what would you do the other three days? And what type of work would you want to do on those four days? Absolutely. And to me, I just tell people, look, I hustle for four days in my work and I hustle for three days in my life. I want to create a great life for my kids, for my wife. I want to, you know, some of us spend so much time planning our business and our personal life's okay, so it's not as exciting. The business is more stimulating, so we say, oh, I'll have more business. But it's like ice cream. After a while, you get enough, and, and, and more of it diminishing returns. If you want to use a you know, fancy economic term, the same thing doesn't give you the same high rush, whatever word you want to call it. And definitely, again, if you look a little bit of just traditional, it's a generalization, but traditional Western wisdom versus Eastern wisdom a lot of the Eastern wisdom, which is a great compliment that the whole yin yang thing is sometimes the best action is to do nothing. And as a parent, you start to realize that when you have kids that, for example, have tantrums, go try to go, go duke it out with a kid, not physically, but try to outfight a five-year-old when they're really ticked. I got more energy than you. <laughs> so you just realize, okay, I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to let them run their course and sometimes it's not this. I'm not going to go head to head with them and let them do their thing. Sometimes with your kids, you want to let them learn something. 
if you just tell them, oh, no, it's my way, we're gonna do it my way. I mean, there's so many parallels to it. You overparent a kid and, and they don't want to listen to you. Whereas opposed to if you say, look, would you like to know what might happen? Yes, no, okay. Hey, here's what might happen, this, that. Um, but at least there's that sense of balancing that sometimes inaction is the answer. And there's a good balance of that. And, and I know specifically, I know some people say, well, wait, inaction, does that mean, for example, if somebody texts me and I don't want to give them an answer that I just don't respond? No, you can. And this is something, gosh, funny, my baggage must be coming up. One of the biggest pet peeves that I'm a Gen Xer that a lot of people have with the stereotypical millennial generation is, you know, sometimes it's called ghosting, but sometimes people think they were, they were ghosting somebody, but they just didn't reply. They were like, you want to have a, I'm having a party, let's say next week. Well, do you want to come? And you might reply, let's say this person replies five minutes before and the whole time they wanted to come, like, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I thought I might change my mind. Well, here's an idea. How about you tell me maybe? How about you tell me, I think I'd like to come, but something might come up. So it's, there's not an easy answer, but there's a balance there. And I think with our work, we can say there will be times that we are extremely engaged in stuff and we're making a lot of stuff happen. And, and great, but like you said, if you're preparing for a big race, you can't just go from heavy training to pre, I mean, look at, look at sports, preseason, postseason, yep. regular season, off season. You know, nature has, everything kind of has that. So, um, so yeah, there's just that balance of that. And definitely to your point, it doesn't have to be a certain way and it can be a gradual thing. It took me 22 years from when I left college to figure out how to do it. So literally from as old as you are now. <laughs> so it took me that long. But if I had said from the beginning, and I did not do this, this is the biggest mistake as an entrepreneur, not the big, but for this particular topic, if I just simply said, you know what, I'm going to start a business. And in year one, I'm going to work 40 hours a week or whatever. So maybe the first year, I'm going to just work what I have to work. And eventually, you know, because sometimes it takes a while to figure stuff out, but eventually get to a certain income. And rather than increasing my expenditures, I'm going to keep my expenditures the same. And I'm going to figure out yeah. how to make the same amount of money in 39 hours a week this quarter. And in 90 more days, I'm gonna do it in 38 hours. And then you just find whatever that good balance is for you. And you might want more money or might less income. I mean, or, 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 or more, more free time. But I just know sometimes if we're not intentional, we forget when, our, when we had our kids, I'd said to my wife, I said, you know what? I wanna make sure we're so present. It's okay if we go in a little bit of debt. And you know, we went in a little bit of debt. And I'm like, wait, next time, wait? You know what? We're not gonna go into debt. Like, just call out what you want. Don't, because I even settled. And, and I kind of let my intentions get weak in a way. Not, and this is not about being demanding and saying, well, the world will, world will give me everything. Otherwise, I, I'm not happy. I'm very blessed. You're very blessed. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, there's a lot of people in the world who don't have it financially or security-wise as well as we do. So it's not about that. But ask for what you want. And then if you think, well, that's being too greedy, well, then think of who you'll give it to. You know, what, what would you do if you had extra? Because to, to your point, for me, I don't think I'd ever become a billionaire with a billion dollars in the bank, but I'd love to generate a billion dollars and do some really cool stuff. I, I just wouldn't know what to do with it. So I probably wouldn't put it in the bank somewhere, but the idea of what I could do with it. Yeah. But in the, in the path of, yeah, I'm enjoying the process in the path of working a four day work week. Um, and I'll, this is kind of my last thought as far as from an, from an analogy, it's like, there's a difference between if you have a credit card and you always pay on time, you're getting your one or 2% cash back. It's almost like you're gaming the system. The bank's paying you. Now they're getting a fee to run the credit card transaction, so they're okay. But go a week late, go a day late on your payments every time and watch what that does to your, to your income and to your assets. That little bit extra. So some people never get from the 60 hours down to the 40 hours. They just say it's 60 hours. They say, I need to get as much income. Say, great, get to your income. You need to make, I'll throw out a number. You need to make 100,000, great. 
take it 60 hours a week, you get to your 100,000. But then take a couple years where you figure out how to make that 100,000 in 50 hours, in 40 hours, in 32 hours. And then when you've done that, not that you can't do both at the same time, but it's hard. it is sometimes difficult at the exact same time to try to work less and make more. Um, so sometimes you say, okay, I'm going to scale back a little and then make a big jump to where now you've locked in a 32 hour work week. And you say, yeah, so it took me four years. I steadied my income for four years. Poor me, I lived at 100,000 a year for four years. And then I got up, but then going forward, I was always at 32 hours or, or whatever I enjoyed. My, I usually work about 34 hours a week, even when I can have time off. I like doing a certain amount of work. It seems like you do too. So it's not about running from work. Um, right. But definitely having a good reason to, to do something more than just the work. I love that. Have a reason to do the work, have a reason to go beyond the work. When you have all those whys attached to your lifestyle, it's going to be a lot easier for you to even grow during a four-day work week. I think that's certainly possible. And then having the three days to do as you desire, spend time with the people who you want to live. But the four-day work week, that lifestyle is certainly very fascinating and very doable. So we will be throwing a whole bunch of links in the show notes for you guys to connect with Wade. So I'm wondering, where do you want us to go to keep following all the great work you're doing? Thank you. So the simplest thing to do, if you go to fourdayworkweek.com, the number fourdayworkweek.com, uh, there's a real simple place. There's a tool I have there for free called the game plan. Start creating your game plan. Whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, a freelancer, a small business owner, wherever you're at, there's a certain sort of core framework which gets to something very simple. It's, it's almost so simple. It's almost so basic. But without that, you don't have that. So I'd say start with that as a map. Start making your plan for what you can do. Uh, and then we have the four-day workweek uh, entrepreneur podcast, which we'll put links for that. But the main thing, start creating your plan your way. It doesn't have to be four days, but have it be your plan, even if you never get there, even if it takes 20 years. It took me 22 years, still worth it. We will have all those links down below. A ton of great resources there. Thank you, Wade, for coming on the show. And thank you, Breakthrough Success listeners, for joining us on another episode.